welcome to Offwatch, a podcast by the Ocean Race. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke to Bianca Cook, a young Kiwi sailor who did the last edition of the race on board Turn the Tide on Plastic and is now lining up to come back for her second, but this time as skipper of a New Zealand flagged entry. Now, helping her out on that steep learning curve is Tony Ray. And if you're anybody that knows anything about sailing, you'll know that Tony Ray is an incredible tutor to have. He's done multiple editions of the Ocean Race. He's won it twice. He's also been a big feature of the America's Cup. And as you can imagine, he's got some incredible stories to tell. Since the first Whitbread in 1973, there have been 13 editions of the race. New Zealander Tony Ray has competed in six of them, winning it twice. And he's also lining up another New Zealand entry that would bridge a 10-year gap between Kiwi-flagged boats. Now, that's surprising when you consider that so many of the names in the Hall of Fame have been Kiwi sailors, not least Tony Ray himself. Outside of offshore sailing, he's also a big name in the America's Cup, campaigning seven times, all for New Zealand, and winning it twice. A big sailor with a lot more still to do in the sport. Tony, thank you very much for um, joining me today. Uh, it's, it's always fascinating to talk to somebody who's been involved in the race for as long as you have and hear about how much has changed and what ultimately is still the same at its core. And I guess that's where I want to start because when you first did the race back on uh, Lion New Zealand, 85, you're 23 years of age on this maxi with you know 18 crew, um, you must have had a perspective that at uh, 21. Wow. Okay. There you go. Uh, you had a perspective there that was pretty unique. Now with this new project that you're involved with, um, New Zealand Ocean Racing, you're lining up to give another young generation a chance to prove themselves. Why? Why should somebody in their early 20s go and do this race? Because let's be honest, a lot of it isn't that much fun. Yep. It's, um, you've hit the nail on the head there. Um, it's, uh, it, it, but the, the other thing is though, Niall, is, is a lot of it is a lot of fun. Um, and there is some, you know, I don't think there's anyone that's, that's done the race since 1973 that will remember or a lot of like the bits that they hated or whatever, but the bits I think that with around the world race, that the sailing that you get out of it, the people that you're with, the people that you sail with, the people, the friends that you make, um, always outweigh the, the, um, bad, the bad weather, the bad, um, breakages, the, whatever it is that, that have been, that have made you think in the middle of the night, this is the last place I want to be and I never want to do this again. Um, and next minute you're doing it again. Um, and I think it's, it's, it always comes back to people. You know, the, the, the sailing's fantastic, obviously, because you just get day after day after day of, of amazing sailing and, and, and so many different conditions and so many different um, countries and, and oceans. That, um, But a lot of the time it just comes down to the people that you're, sailing with and enjoying the, the time and, um, and racing. I mean, obviously the whole time you're not just sailing along, you know, having a good time, you're, you're actually racing. So you always, doesn't matter what boat you're on, you always just get up and try and make the thing go faster. So, but you've got the people around you, it's the team around you that, um, that make that 
that part of it enjoyable and 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 push each other. So um, for me, it's always been um, is what I've enjoyed the most about the around the world races is, is the um, is the people. And you've sat with some key players, some key people. I mean, Sir Peter Blake, obviously from the new generation as well. I mean, I was looking at the list. I mean, you know, Chris Nicholson. Um, one of the sort of more sort of modern people, but also there's some some absolutely Grant Dalton, Knut Frostat that, that were skippers of boats that you were sailing with, not least some of the sailors. And I want to hear about, from your opinion anyway, what makes some of those people special. But before I do that, um, I want to know about what it's like to have experienced those laps around the planet in both a Maxi and... Um, a Whitbread 60 or, you know, the VO65s, is it is it fundamentally different going into, say, like the Southern Ocean um, on a boat that is colossal in nature and going down there on a 60-footer? Yeah, I mean, I guess the classic situation for me was um, when you mentioned Chris Nicholson is jumping on um, on camper, and, and the the race I'd done before that was on a Maxi Ketch on New Zealand Endeavour. So the Volvo Seventy um, is a very or very very different boat to a you know to an eighty three foot Maxi Ketch. Um, you know, very powerful um, and you know very powerful, very fast. Um, they'll always be an, an amazing boat. Um, uh, the, and that was that was an eye opener for to to leap straight on a boat like that, um, and and pretty much send it um, in conditions because you're just sailing such different angles. Um, and it's not that you weren't pushing the maxis at all. You, it, was, it was just just the same, but just the angles that you sail, and it was all about you know apparent wind angles downwind. And so when you got breeze, you know it was you know they're very wet, very. Um, Boat, so you had to make sure everything was strapped on, you're strapped on, um, and you know sailing with. I guess for me, sailing with someone like Nico um, was, you know, his confidence level is just way out there, and so that that leapt me into that um, into that zone pretty quickly, and and feeling confident and feeling, you know, safe with the boat, and and. Um, and being able to push the boat as hard as he has, as hard as he could, you know, with Stu Bannantyne, people like that, that can that can drive these boats, which which has always amazed me how fast they can actually steer them for for the length of time. And so for me, going from those two, I guess extreme, you call them not extreme, but they are kind of they they are very very different because just the you know with the maxi catch, you know, you've got I don't know twenty three sails down below that you know you change one spinnaker and then you change the genica at the back and then you change back again and then you you know the sail changes were endless and you as far as the you know with uh, with say camper and the volvo 70 it's it's all about getting that right combination and strapping everything in when you've got breeze downwind and and really pushing the thing hard which um which i think all the boats all the boats did um, but because of that, the amount of, you know, the speed that you're going, the amount of water around, there's, um, there's always room for, room for error, but, um, no, they're fantastic boats. And I think, um, this is, you know, the, the Volvo 65 is a similar, that similar generation. And so they are different boats to sail. 
Um, and so people that get on those on the the Volvo boats that have come from a, from doing a lot of sailing on a lot of other boats, whether it be big boats, TP52s, you know, super yachts, dinghies, whatever, that have come that are actually extremely good sailors, always find these boats different because you know with the the canting keel, the way they the way they load up, the way that you sail, the angles that you sail them. So they're not, they aren't a conventional boat. Um, and so there's just a lot to learn. And I think that's what's quite exciting about the, the boat is that, you know, there always is other things to learn. You know, these are, okay, these are one design boats, the 65s, but there's always something else to learn about how to make them go faster. So I think that's, um, that's going to be, you know, that'll be an exciting part of the, the next race, I think. And of course, being able to learn, you know, that's a, that's a key thing for any sort of new crew member that's kind of coming on, realising that finding those things to learn and finding, shall we say, weaknesses is, is actually an attribute. And Bianca Cook was talking about that really interestingly in terms of what she's looking for for her team for the next edition. Um, but obviously she's got some stuff to learn as well in terms of becoming a skipper. You mentioned Chris Nicholson, um, camper, team uh, Vestas Wind as well, um, as skipper. What have you seen from skippers that you found yourself uh, with Bianca Cook saying, here's a good lesson for you. Here's a nice way of doing it. Here's a good way of managing maybe personalities, managing a tricky situation, or just generally, you know, being a leader of a sailing team performing well. Yeah, I think that's that's a big one. Is just being that leader, um, and you, you know, I think people from outside of the, I guess, in some ways, from outside of the sailing world, sort of hear the word skipper and think, oh well, that's the guy, that's the person that drives the boat all the time, um, and stands behind the wheel, and and that's it. But you know, this I think the skipper, you know, it is the it is the the leader of the the team. You're 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 heading the team on the water, but I think you're also, you know, very happy to put yourself in the different situations um, or the skipper is happy to put themselves in different situations and show that leadership to, you know, and also, you know, show the leadership of where you, what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go, whether you're racing or whether you're just, or whether you are just um, working on the, on the campaign, you know, in the, in the, in an office or whatever, it's just, driving that team um, in the in the right direction. But it's also, you know, using the people around you to 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 actually go forward with the, the whole project and and also go forward with when you're sailing the boat is using the right people in the right places on, on the boat. And so having the I guess having the you know putting the people um, in the right positions on the boat and giving them that 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 opportunity and giving them the chance to actually show what they can do is a big part of, of, of that skipper, of that skipper role and having the confidence, you know, showing the confidence to actually do that. Um, and, uh, you know, Nico's obviously, you know, fantastic at that. And hence the reason that I, you know, said if he did it again, I'd, I'd go and he, and he sort of, and he did, um, and so that you know, that's the reason I sort of ended up on Vestas. Um, he's a fantastic guy to sail with, um, and just one of the he does show that confidence. Um, and those other 
people you mentioned, you know, with Blakey and Dolts and people like that, are, you know, do show the, that same confidence, but also give other people the, you know, pass on that that um, ownership of of areas that um, to take on. And so you you know you feel like you're actually, you know, you're a big part of the team. And I think that's um, that's you know that's a pretty important part of a skipper. It, really interesting that you say. Um that the general public, and I think a lot of the sailing fans as well, don't fully understand exactly what it is that a skipper does because, of course, it's a name on the top of the crew list, but actually how that interaction works. Help us out. Can you, with all of the sailing that you've done in terms of the ocean race and all the, some of the big names that you've sailed with, can you think of any time that it was because of somebody, maybe the skipper, maybe watch leader or whatever, that you think they said something, they did something small, but it pulled me out of a hole. It got me back to where I needed to be. Have you ever been been lifted like that when you needed it? Um, oh, I think there's probably, uh, you know, a bunch of times, but I think the biggest one is, is just leading by example a little bit. Like, for instance, you know, you... I know I mentioned, you know, and I'm sort of thinking of situations more recent, I guess, but, you know, when talking about Nico, he, he's one of those ones that just leads by example, as far as how he operates himself on the boat, being whether, whether he's a skipper or not, how he pushes himself to that sort of level on the boat, actually doing stuff, actually moving the stack down below, um, you know, whatever it takes, he's sort of in their boots and all. Um, and that's just that leading by, I think that leading by example, you're not just, oh, well, I'm the skipper, so I'll just get everyone else to do all that, all that, all the jobs that aren't that much fun, whether it be mopping out the the bilge or, or, you know, fixing something or, um, you know, just doing, you know, sail changes and that sort of thing. He's not always the guy that just grabs the wheel and and um, takes you know and takes control that way. So I think that leading by example and and getting in there and and working as well and you know those the other ones we mentioned are, are the same. It has those showed those same values, and I think that's what that's what you see around you, and so that it makes it very easy to sort of keep you know yourself pushing yourself. Um, when things are, when things aren't, you know, all that much fun, um, and you can see the the skipper pushing and pushing themselves as well. That that's what keeps you going. And I'm assuming as well that, well, not just the skipper, but all of you, that ability to react to something pretty unexpected. You know, you mentioned Chris Nicholson, and and if he watches this, he'll be disappointed with me if I don't find another reason to mention the reef, and I will but I'll do that in a, in, a, in a minute. But, I mean, there are so many things that you look at any edition of the race, how crews have had to think on their feet and react to things that are a little bit unusual. I mean, one of the ones that um, stood out for me, and, and maybe in your experience is just a sort of blip, but, you know, Innovation Caverna, when you guys were, you had to get mast repair equipment delivered to you via helicopter when you were on a on an anchor. That team had to do some stuff like that. I mean... Again, I imagine that that's a little bit of a of a skill that a lot of sailors think it's going to be, or it'll happen like it does in the book. If you do X, you know, you do Y. 
where actually, you know, you've, you must have experienced some stuff that are just, wow, how have we found ourselves in this situation? Yeah, well, I was wondering if you were going to bring up the reef thing, but um, yeah, that, I mean, that's, you know, going back to Nico again, that's probably, I mean, you won't, I can't imagine getting yourself in a, a more horrendous situation for any skipper ever, a more horrendous situation than that potentially what well, it was, mm. but how, you know, how he dealt with that at the time, um, probably, you know, I think, okay, it's a team, it's always a team effort, but the way he dealt with that could have, I, I, you know, it would have saved. <clears throat> I mean, it just would have been a, I, I just can't, it's hard to sort of describe, but um, it it could have so easily been a major catastrophe with you know with losing people, yeah. and I think his his quick reactions and how we dealt with the situation prevented that, and we're all still we you know we're all still around today to to talk about it and and have a drink together, which is which is exceptional. And I think that's, um, you know, that's a very, you know, that's a kind of a special person to deal with that situation and not just deal with it at the time, but all the goings on afterwards to get it, to get it sorted out, you know? So, um, it's a, that's when the skipper roll from just driving a boat to sailing along, having great time with your team to dealing with a, a, um, a situation like that that's that's you know on the edge of you know sort of life and death and, and losing people um potentially um is a is a huge difference it, i i did speak to um uh, chris nicholson for this for the offwatch series and, and he gave a really good interview and we touched on many things but of course we did also touch on the reef and, and as you can imagine he was pretty humble um when i was trying to uh, I think quite rightly, kind of put some praise in his lap for how how well it it did turn out. Um, so it's good to hear from from somebody on board that my you know my understanding of it is is not wrong. You know he handled that one well. Um, for those people that you know weren't there, like I say, we, we we've heard from Chris's point of view. Where were you? How dramatic was that moment going from everything's fine to we're in serious trouble? Yeah, well, it's that sort of date's coming around again, Niall, actually. It's the, you know, the 29th of November, so we're in the same month. And, and um, well, see, when I see, that's, sorry, that's interesting because I didn't mean where were you in terms of date and time and location. I meant where were you on the boat, but it's just interesting that, yeah, of course, it, it would be a day you remember, and I, I totally understand that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We always have a drink on that day, whoever's, whoever's around. So, um but yes, I was um, at the time I was trimming the main. Um, Nikolai was um, was driving, and and I actually it was interesting. We'd we'd come through, which you know you've heard the story lots of times before. But we'd come through this tropical storm, um, so it had just been a lot of rain and really tricky conditions. Really, you know, the darkest probably conditions you could ever sail in. Um, but when you talk about enjoying that type of sailing, you know, it wasn't uh, that part of it. There was bits of it that wasn't, you know, not a lot of fun in any way, not 
long after that, we're reaching along doing 21, you know, 2024 20, sort of with a fractional and a, and a refund. And I was, you know, honestly, I was thinking at the time thinking, wow, I'm actually, I'm really enjoying this race. Um, okay. We're only, we've only, you know, we've only 10 days out of Cape town, but this is fantastic. You know, this is we're having some great sailing here and it was, you know, dark and everything, but soaking wet and, and, and cold. But I was just thinking to myself, man, I'm really enjoying this, um, this race now. And I've, I sort of felt like I was sort of really getting into it. Um, and then all hell breaks loose. I mean, just out of, out of nowhere. And that changed, you know, it cha obviously changed the race for us, but it also changed the way that, you know, I had to deal with, had to deal with that situation. You had to deal with what do we do now? We've, we've hit something. Okay. How do we look after each other? I think that was the, I think that was probably the biggest thing out of the whole, out of the, okay, there's all the safety situations you go through and all the procedures, but when it all happens kind of like in reverse with the boat getting smashed onto the reef backwards after we spun around, all those sort of, I guess, safety sort of things that you procedures and and um, and what you're going to do, it all sort of goes out the door a little bit. You've got to start thinking of, well, I can't do that now because we're we're going we're backwards and the the gear that we've got down below is, you know, getting smashed up. And um, so there's there's different situations that that sort of are racing through your head. But at the same time, I think what everyone did well on the boat was look after each other um, and looked out for each other for whatever it might be. Hey, mate, hang on, you know, here comes a wave. So we're all trying to, you know, one of the things, obviously me being a medic, one of the big things for me was just, shit, you know, we've got to, if someone gets injured here, well, we've already hit the reef, okay, we're all in, everyone's in one piece. But from now on, if someone has a major injury because they've fallen over, because someone else has tried to do something and knock them over, now we've got a, someone with a broken leg or a fractured skull, whatever, this, that situation is going to be an absolute major to deal with. with, with, in the, with you're not going to say, okay, keep the boat still while we, um, while we fix this guy up. So it's those that's what's racing that's what was continuously racing through my head the whole time until we actually got off the boat um and so i think the way that the team looked after each other pretty much saved anyone having any major injuries and you know i think that leadership when you go back to that that leadership of okay let's talk about the situations what we've got, what we're doing now, we're going to, this is how we're going to do it. But also taking in a lot of, um, a lot of sort of ideas and, and other people's thoughts on how we, how we deal with it on the, on the crew and not just, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're all going to jump off the boat now. We actually talked it, talked the situations through. So we had, everyone had a really good idea in their mind as, as to, how they were actually going to deal with it themselves, um, and and 
and what areas that they looked looked after so that everyone knew what each other was going to do before we got off the boat, before we got into our survival suits, all that sort of thing, and and the, the different steps. So that as a team was freaking unbelievable. And so, you know, luckily it all worked and and um, you know, my medical kits were left the yacht and out the bottom of the boat and floated off somewhere. So, you know, for me not to you know, I had one one day bag or one day kit. Um and so for me knowing that the two other medical kits, so no fluid, no IV, no suturing gear, nothing like that, um, had floated off to somewhere, was pretty horrendous in the back of my mind. That was just so that I struggled with that for a while, knowing that if now that someone had a, um, we had a issue, I've got very very limited um, gear to to deal with it, whatever happened, you know. So for me that was um that was pretty hard to sort of deal with until we got to the point where we were sort of safely in a life raft and kind of getting picked up and now we're on an island, you know. So um, you know, that just knowing that that was going to be all sorted and we and we we could get through that, but without me, you know, I did stress to everyone obviously that I didn't have that gear anymore. Um was a big deal for you know was a big deal and something that I had really really um really concerned me for a long you know for the whole time we were on the boat really because you've I mean you mentioned it before you you've been medic on another boat as well um you must have an experience of a responsibility like you say in terms of you know you see people get injured you have to look after them. It does kind of come down to you. That must be quite a um, quite a burden on your shoulders at times. Um, how how much how close do you get to sort of going? I don't I don't want that burden anymore. I, I, actually, I don't want to do this as a medic. I I, I want to stand back now. Um, no, but yeah, I I actually quite like it. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I really like the, I, I like the the medical. I mean, I'm I'm not a doctor. I don't have a, a, you know, my brain isn't big enough to have to have been a doctor. Um, I wish it was. Um, but I, I like the, I guess I like that, army type, medical. Um, you know that medical paramedic type, um, job. Um. And I, you know, you're right. I, you know, there's probably not a time I've jumped in my bunk and haven't been thinking about different situations that might happen. And a lot of the times, I guess, and all that sort of sailing that I've done, having that role, and it sort of started from Steinlager. And when I took that on, um, there's probably not a time I've been on the boat or jumped in a bunk or or seen different things happen and think, okay, how would how will I deal with that if it if that did happen, or if if that you know that guy nearly lost his finger? So if he did lose his finger, how would I deal with that? Or so you know I, I've always just rolled through different situations because, as you know, on a boat you don't have the you don't have the equipment that you have 
sure. if you're on the side of the road and you jump in an ambulance and go to a hospital. So even in the training and, and you know, when we've, when we've done the training with different people, you're always trying to think back to how would I deal with this if I was on the boat? And when you're on the ambulance doing some you know, practical work or at the hospital or whatever, is you're constantly asking doctors or, or paramedics or whatever, okay, how would you deal with this if you don't have oxygen, if you don't have that drug, if you don't have that equipment, um, how would you deal with it? And so then they go, oh, well, if I didn't have this, I, you know, I'd have to I'd do it this way. So for me, it was all about, and you know that everyone's got the same, same equipment on each boat. And uh, the big one is being able to relay that if you have a situation is being able to assess it and then relay that situation to a specialist over the radio or like we're doing these days, you can, you know, you can do a video link or whatever and actually discuss the, the issue and then, and then try and deal with it. Um, and that's not always, you know, that's not always easy, but a lot of the times it is dealing with trying to deal with things that, before they get worse, you you're able to spot something or or see something that or someone's not feeling well or they've got an infection on their leg that's tiny, but now it's now it's getting now it's huge because they haven't seen it. It's been under their wet weather gear or whatever, and now instead of just being dealing with it on a small way with some antibiotic ointment, now they're on now they're on um, antibiotics and prevention is a is a big part of it as well obviously accidents are accidents but a lot of the other things are you know prevention um and i get you know they're probably the the hardest things to deal with are situations you can't see so someone that's just not feeling well don't doesn't look well got a pain in their got a pain in their stomach got a pain in their chest got a pain in the back whatever you can't you know at a hospital they go and you know you have a scan and x-rays, whatever, that doesn't happen out there. So you've got to try and, you know, figure out what's going on, whether you're talking to a doctor or not. And those are probably the, the, the scary the scary ones because if you're two days out, okay, from port, that's different. If you're three weeks out, um, you know, how's the situation going to change for the race if we if we had to get to from, you know, from uh, – or stop, or get the person off, or whatever. There's um, there's a million sort of situations going around in your head that you're trying to deal with. So that part of it, it's it's great, and it's you need someone else to sort of bump ideas off as well. So you know, I think the race they do a great job of, you know, having more than one, um, you know, more than one medic, uh, qualified medic on the boat. So, um, but yeah, it's an it's an interesting role. But like I said, everyone has their areas that they that they're responsible for and that's what makes the team and that's what makes it you know fun and exciting to be part of do you still find um strong mentally tough hard as nails sailors who are still scared of a needle oh yeah <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure there's plenty out there that that uh that don't let you know i mean dolts is a classic you know He'd run, mate. He'd he'd run across a busy street naked if he had to to get away from someone with a needle. Um, and um, and I've you know 
witness that. He just doesn't he just doesn't uh, like that at all. But um, you know, there's there's lots of people like that. But I think when it comes to that time, if you need an injection of some sort, you're you're obviously not probably not in great shape. Yeah, unless it's a tetanus or something. But you know, you're probably not in that in great shape. So getting a needle for pain relief or whatever is probably the least of your problems, you know. Um, you, you, you said that probably the biggest problem that you have as a medic are the things that you can't see. Um, and I, I can completely empathise with that. The thing that came to my mind when you said that was the possibility of a crew member having an injury and not wanting to announce it. And what I'm driving at here is leg two in the um, 14-15 edition with Team Vestas Wind, when when no, none of us knew who were following the race, none of us knew that you smashed up your ribs before the start of, the, of that leg. And then there you are on board the boat uh, a couple of days out and you sort of come clean and you go, well, you know, we're out here now and, and you know, this is, you, you've got a, I mean, it's a nasty smash from a pedestal handle. I, 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 oh, on camper, I on camper. Oh, was it camper? Was that what it was? Yeah. Well, oh, no, 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 hang on, hang on. No, because camper, you did break your, see, this is it. We can list your injuries now. Camper, you did break a couple of ribs, but I'm sure I've got this right. It was Team Vestas win when you did a nasty smash to your ribs and you didn't announce to any, anyone. And when you were on the boat, and I think you were asked by, I think it was the onboard reporter, why didn't you want to say anything about this? Maybe you told the crew. I don't know, and that's what I'd like to know. But I think you said, oh, I didn't want my mother to worry. Um, was it a case of, ah, oh, I'm feeling all right. I'm just going to keep this to myself. I don't want the team to know because I don't want to get benched. Or was it just a case of, I'm going to keep this out of the press. It's just easier if I you know, worry about the sailing. Yeah, you're right about my mother. Um, I'd keep, you know, keep those things quiet. You don't want her worrying but you know those sorts of things i mean you 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 have to you know you have to analyze it yourself and feel feel confident that you can still operate properly um and you know that situation you know i had i got checked out and without physio <coughs> excuse me and um you know getting a scan and okay there was you know cracked ribs and the, the advice I got from from the doctor was that if if I carried on and displaced them, that if I knocked them again, um, they would they could easily you know displace and and actually repair and uh, you know out of out of line. Um, and you say you say that you say that that's quite a casual sentence, but that's a serious problem if that were to happen yeah um well it kind of did but um you know what the message the message that i was getting from the doctor and i was with the physio was you know you carrying on sailing is probably not the ideal situation but that's that's probably not the the message that you want me to to tell you but i'm just telling you anyway i know you're probably not going to listen to me but I'm just going to tell you anyway. This is the, this is the the doctor, um, and the physio, Paul Wilson, said, "Yeah, no, that's not really the the answer he was after." Um, 
he probably is going to go. And I just had to, I had to, you know, you know, with ribs, you know, you've got to let them, you know, you obviously got to let them repair. You can't do a lot, but, but just kind of look, try and look after yourself. Now I knew that if I bumped them again, they would, they would set kind of out of, out of line. And I did bump them again without realizing it. And they, you know, one of them has actually set, oh, I've got a little bump. I've got a little bump there now, but from one side different to the other. But, uh, you know, I just, I had to, I had to deal with it. it. Was it was painful, but I knew that I could actually, I could get through it. But, but I just want to interrupt you there for one second because I'm fascinated about this from a medic point of view, and and I and I feel bad if I if I let you continue without asking one simple question at this point. If you're the medic on that boat and somebody else had done that to their ribs and the risks were as you describe, and they said, "I'm good." Don't worry about it. I'll I'll be fine. If it wasn't you, if the situation was reversed, would you have said, "I understand your passion. Jump aboard," or would you have gone, "That's a risk too far"? I think you leave it up to other people at that stage. You know, the, obviously a doctor and the you know the, someone outside of the thing. It's different when you're actually on the boat. Very diplomatic. But, um, yeah, the, the 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 people. You know, that's not really for the medic to decide. That is in a way. Um, probably it's the it's the doctor and the skipper and that situation i just probably spoke really i just put it to nico in the right way and he kind of he listened to me <laughs> if, that makes sense, if that makes sense i know what nico's thinking now if he was watching but um <laughs> but um yeah I, I you know i think those sorts of those sorts of situations i mean Another one like that is, you know, with Mike Pimenta when he smashed his face on camper and got washed back against the cabin top and smashed his, his uh, opened his lip up and knocked his teeth out. And that was, that was pretty horrendous for him and obviously a lot of pain and, and it didn't look good and you know, half his lips open and had to suture his lip up and try and make, make him look half decent again because he was a good looking guy before that. And, um, and so going through that situation and dealing with, okay, okay, we've got to slow the boat down and make, you know, <clears throat> try and make it as smooth enough so I can get some sutures in here. Um, Nico gave me 15 minutes, but, um, the, the actual, and it, that all looked horrendous and his teeth are missing and he had to inject into his gums and to, 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 you know, numb the pain and that sort of thing. But for me, for me, that was not really the, the issue that worried me the most. It was actually that he'd had a, he'd whacked his head. Mm. So I was more concerned about his ongoing issues with his possible concussion, you know, concussion or, or whatever, and how he was going to react over the next 24 hours sort of thing, um, and forgetting about how he looked, but just internally in his, in his head, having it, has he had a head injury, and, and try and monitor, you know, trying to monitor that. Um, and so that was more of my concern than, than how he looked. Um, um, so it's definitely situations like that that you're always um, – that spring up on you when you're not uh, at least ready for it, really. 
it's really interesting to hear about um, all those kind of things and, and imagine how different they would be now to how they would be done when the race started. Um, and those little, you know, bits of technology, the sort of, you know, the, the medical staplers and everything else that you guys have got now, and not least some of the, you know, the safety equipment as well. You were talking about the, you know, being able to link with the other boats, um, discuss with each other and everything else. Um, not just in the medical, but I, I mean, I remember when you guys did hit the reef, um, as an example, you know, Alva Medica was there alongside. I think they were able to sort of count. I, mean, I might have this wrong, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Will Oxley, when, it, when he was at the navigation table, was able to see your personal AIS beacons, you know, there and all the rest of it. Um, is there, you know, is there those points where you get off from the legs and, you know, as navigators, you all come together, as skippers, you all come together, pat each other on the back. As medics, you all kind of come together and, you know, there's those stories that, only another medic maybe would appreciate as well as you need them to. Yeah. I mean, there's, um, you know, the medics as with all the races have always had, you know, at each, at each leg, each stopover had a get together and a discuss different issues that they've had and trying, you're always trying to learn from each other. Um, and talk about, well, you know, this is the equipment we, I mean, these days, everyone's with the one design thing, everyone's got the same equipment. You can take, you can take extra stuff if you want. Um, but if there's some little item or a, a type of bandage or a, or a, or a plaster that works better or, or some different, you know, medication that's easier to use or whatever, you know, most of the time everyone's discussing that within the, within all the teams um, to make it just to make it, better to make it easier to for everyone to use because you know that part of the race um everyone looks after each other really it doesn't matter what boat you're on and i think that's that's a pretty cool part of the of the around the world race and always always has been is that that part of it you're not going to talk about oh this is how we trim so this is the shape that we've you know of the sail we've got and you should get one of the but when it comes to people and the medic <clears throat> and looking after each other, that's always information that's that's shared very um, very freely. Uh, yeah, interesting to have a part of the race that isn't um, hampered by a competitive element. Of course, you know this is this is not about making boats go faster. Just looking about, you know, looking after your fellow competitors. But you are a competitive person, and and this is sort of what I want to touch touch on next. Is um, it's interesting that you seem to be more than most, but maybe less than others, really proud of representing your country and being able to do that. You know, you've been a member of um, Team New Zealand for so long. You've been campaigning right at the very top. How do you get an opportunity? I mean, if I was to walk around the dock and I was to see, you know, go into the museum and see Black Magic hanging from the ceiling or... Steinlager 2 and all those sorts of things. I still get a bit of a thrill about it, but just as a sailing fan, do you get to enjoy the fact that you have sailed with some enormous names internationally, as well as in New Zealand sailing, and competed at some of the most amazing arenas? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's, you know, it pretty much comes back to what we touched on right at the beginning is people. Um, having, you know, sailed with so many 
amazing um, people, not just skippers, but just um, guys, girls that you've just sailed with off and on with and against. I think that's probably the um, the quite the, the cool thing is is you're not always sailing on the same boat. You know, everyone that you sail with can't always you know be on the same boat. So, <clears throat> um, but being able to sail with and against them over the years, and then sort of switching backwards and forwards to you know around the world to America's Cup, whatever. But these, you know, similar people sort of mesh in, and there's a lot. Obviously, there's lots of people that don't go around the world and do the America's Cup. That's just not what they like doing. But there's always that crossover of um, a whole lot of people, special people that you've sailed with, um, and that are great friends that we still compete against um, to this day. I mean, not so much this year because things there hasn't been a hell of a lot of sailing going on but in normal situations you know in the tp52 fleet or whatever you're sailing against all sorts of people that you've sailed with over the years and way back in in um the round the world races or the america's cup or, or whatever so i think you know having that having that sort of you've got a special when you've sailed around the world with with a, with someone you've got a you know, a pretty special bond as far as a friendship goes um well, certainly most people, most people do. So, and that is what's, um, you know, that's what's so fantastic about the sport. Yeah, you have to admit that, well, maybe you can't see it, but from an outsider looking in, New Zealand seems to have um, something really special in terms of a national passion for the sport of sailing and for sporting excellence, certainly in that field. Is this a product of people like Sir Peter Blake, just a, a, a strong sailor in his own right coming in, or are people like Sir Peter Blake and yourself a product of the enthusiasm from a country as a whole? Can you can you put your finger on it at all? Um, I think it's a you know Kiwis love sailing, and I certainly wouldn't put myself in the same um, you know. Uh, realm as as Blakey but you know people have always you know looked up to him um and wanted to do what he's done you know selling around the world they look look at look at you know Dalts and you know when he had his campaign and whether it be the America's Cup or the or, or the around the world race and and um you know and Russell and Chris Dixon and and um, this you know there's just I think a, a range of a big wide range of of people that wanted you have know, seen do the race and then go a lot of Kiwis go I want to do that you know I want to do that race or I want to be on that 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 campaign um, and that's what sort of I think drives general you know the Kiwis and for me I guess now being well, certainly trying to, you know, put this campaign together is you, you see that, I sort of see that more now, I guess, because I'm at the other end of the the program where people are coming to me or sending me an email saying, hey, I'd love to be involved, um, as opposed to me sending emails to a to a, a skipper or a team or whatever to um, 
to be involved or in a different situation. So, you know, there's just, it's been amazing how many, you know, these young Kiwis that want to really, really want to do this race. Um, um, and, you know, we, I really hope that we can, we can, you know, put this thing together and, and give those, you know, it's all about giving those, um, that younger generation, the opportunity to do, well, kind of do what, what we've done, what I've done in the past at, at that age or, you know, in your twenties and thirties that you can do this, do the round the world race, because, you know, I can guarantee that none of them will, will that do the race that will finish it and go, well, I wish I hadn't done that. Um, they'll be, you know, either, okay, that was great, but I'm not going to do it again. Or they've got the bug and they, they really want to, um, they want to carry on, but it's been, it's fantastic to see so much, um, you know, so much passion to this younger generation to do the race, but also seeing the, when they're sending CVs through and stuff like that, and just seeing all the, the qualifications and, and the amount of sailing that they've done, but then you, but yet they still want to, you know, obviously still want to sort of tick off that round the world race. Um, and it's something that is, it's, it's different and it's fantastic to see, but I think that's where, that's where you've got to keep the, you know, I'm hoping that we can keep that. Um, Cause you know, if, if the younger generation don't get an opportunity to do this, then it's it's going to it's going to fade away when you when it comes to offshore sailing. There's going to be um, a limited amount of of options available. So I think by having a New Zealand team, it's giving that it's giving that chance. It's it's offering that chance to um, for younger ones. And it might not for a lot of them. It might not work out the next for this race coming up for the next edition because of age, you know, because of all these restrictions around it, age and gender or whatever. So it's not something that um, is just a, you know, sign up and, and off you go. It's it's about having the opportunity there so that we can do some offshore sailing in, in New Zealand and we can put a squad together, hopefully, that we can we can show up on the start line in, in, um, in Alicante in 22. And so, uh, you know, I really, really hope that that's, it's going to happen. Obviously the goalposts are moving around a lot um, with, with everything that's going on globally. So, you know, it's not easy, but um, we'll go have a go and uh, see what happens. Well, I'm sure you're going to have a long queue of sailors, especially after hearing all your stories about, Getting your teeth knocked out, busting ribs, crashing onto uh, onto a deserted island. I mean, as we said at the beginning, who wouldn't want to do this race? Uh, Tony, Tony, thank you, thank you very much. Um, it's really interesting to learn yet more about the race and and the characters that make it special. So, thank you very much. Cheers.